Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. It feels so strange. I've not been here in weeks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I remember right on the lead up to the wedding? I was stressed out of my head. You done a you done a solo one, didn't you? I did, and actually, it was the first and only um, time on the Built for Life podcast that I did the intro. So I'm just saying, like, there's maybe a wee bit of a power imbalance going on here because I think there's a lot of folk hoping to hear my voice. Right, let's be start. Jane, give us an introduction. <laughs> Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Fucking <laughs> sound like me anyway. <laughs> I, there was so many folk that listened, and as soon as I said I'm flying solo there, they were like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> Do, you know? Do you know what? Most people just say to us they enjoy the podcast because we talk so much shit and bounce off each other anyway, so because you were solo, they probably thought, what the fuck is the point of listening? Kidding on. You better listen, you cunts. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's free, free content, so... Exactly. Like, if you want to join the program, but you want to know, you don't want to join the program yet, but you want to know what it is that we talk about, then you go free content. Free content, but what we also have a fucking great opportunity on what Jen just discussed to get an inside scoop. So inside the Book for Life program, we are renowned for the events that we run every single quarter inside of the Book for Life community. Now, we usually do a big team workout, cold dip, coffee, we might go for drinks, we might go for dinner and so on and so forth. But back in January of this year, we rented out a room at the Grand Central Hotel and delivered some of the most potent content for what was appropriate at that time of the year for everyone inside the programme to make the best level of progress possible. Now, we had our last live event in May, roughly about the 22nd of May, I think it was, 21st maybe, and our Q3 event, our quarter three event, is going to be yet again in the Grand Central Hotel on the 12th of August. And this is going to be the first time ever that we open our doors to anyone that is outside of the Built for Life community, including you guys on the podcast, anyone that follows us on socials. And this is going to give you an inside scoop of what we do behind closed doors. Jen, Give me your thoughts and your feelings on this, first and foremost, that we're opening our doors to strangers. <laughs> Listen, I think we're at, I'm, I'm low-key feared, like, oh no, who, who's going to come along? <laughs> I think, to be honest, it's going to be like all like all of my pals for a start who listen to the podcast. My um, pals going to come. <laughs> no, no, mine will, though. Mine will. Um, yeah, no, I think we just, we've spoke a lot about it and like we, we hear from so many of you guys, which we absolutely love, by the way. Like, I love when people message and say, like they listen to the podcast or something particularly stuck out to them. And I think we we started this podcast because we wanted to find a way to extend what we share and add more value to the wider health and fitness industry beyond just the reach of our clients. And I think this just gives us an opportunity to do that in a different level because I think it's really the, the thing we hear the most for people inside the programme is that we do something completely different. And the thing that we hear mostly for people outside of the programme is what, what is it you actually do? Because yeah. I know that you do something different, but I don't know what it is. So that was another huge reason behind us starting a podcast as well, to make it clearer what we actually do. Um, and then also to help us be clearer because a lot of the time I think we just do it instinctively that we're like, what is it we do? Um, exactly. So I think this is just an opportunity to extend that a bit further to allow you guys to have more of an insight into what life can be like when you are built for life, like what life is like when you live this way, but not just from us. You hear it from us in the podcast, and I think now it's time to hear it from our clients and our people who have been through this process and hear it from their perspective, because I think it's all very well and good us telling you how we run things, but sometimes it can be like, well, what impact does that actually have? And you can't really convey that in a before and after or an Instagram post or even like a testimonial. It's it's hard to put across, but 
hearing other people talk about their lived experience and what it's given them is just like I think the best way for you to decide actually is this for me or crucially is this not for me like did I come along and have a nice day but decided actually it's not my cup of tea um and I think there's something about us providing the space for people to connect in a way that you don't really get the access to like we talk a lot to people about personal development and what they can do to grow themselves as an individual and like how often are events like this put on for anybody to attend where you are in a room full of like-minded you know normal people who are inspirational in their own right for their backgrounds their history their experience their achievements to connect with like-minded individuals who accept you for who you are and like support you on a journey of growth like there's nothing like that for people especially not like in our area anyway like there's very few kind of events or communities that are focused just around your whole growth and development as a person so that's another huge kind of box tick for us I think as well as making sure like how do we hold a space for high performers for people who want to live a better life to be able to connect with one another hear from one another's experience and just get to meet more people in your life because your relationships are one of the most important parts of your social health so being able to find and connect with other people who you can relate to and who inspired you is another huge component of that so I think um, I the first time in what 10 10 years of coming up for 10 years for for this to be a thing so it's something we've hummed and hawed about for a very long time um so this is a this is a first time exclusive guys exactly and if you listen to the podcast as well you are going to be getting a discount on tickets now the tickets aren't just for the incredible content that's going to be there on the day it's going to be the entire built for life team minus gene that's the only person that we couldn't get over because unfortunately as selfish as she is had a holiday booked at the same time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which was unfortunate but there will be myself, Jen, Rudy. You can come along and see that we're just as funny in person as we are in the podcast. But also when you book the tickets as well and you come along on the day on top of all the incredible content that's going to be delivered, we're going to throw in lunch for you on the day, refreshments throughout and a goodie bag as well to mark the occasion. And at this moment in time, we're trying to find somewhere afterwards to get our clients and kind of VIP guests together to potentially come along for some drinks and just to kind of let's just say relax a little bit more in the environment with people that they've been surrounded with on that day and they've maybe perhaps built good connection from or with. And I think it's really important as well that even if you don't build the connection on the day that you have an opportunity to maybe speak to someone that you saw, have a conversation with someone else and hear great things about it. Or maybe you've seen someone as part of our uh, client panel that we're going to be putting on on the day, talking about their experience, what they've overcome that you really resonated with, that you wanted to ask them more questions about. is something that we are trying to make a whole day event realistically to give you everything that you need where you feel you need it and I will tell you one thing I have been to several events in my time and usually the best things that come from these events and I'm not trying to put down our content here (laughs) but it's usually the conversations you have with people in the corridors and out with the actual content itself that really gives you an inside look into what it is that you can gain from having been there on that day because the inspiration that you get from these individuals really then puts into perspective what you've been taught and what you've been told in these days and what you've experienced and what you've saw so we want to make sure that you have the best possible content on the day to really open your eyes to what's possible within your own life but also see the success stories that come from it and like we said might not be for you when you show up you might have a really nice day but might not be for you we are not for everyone we actually find it quite difficult to encapsulate what we do purely because we do so much 
<laughs> but the overall and overarching thing that we do is basically create an environment where so many like-minded people can come together with the number one collective goal and mission of just becoming their very best self, whether that be starting their own business, getting into the best shape of their life, smashing a fucking physical challenge they never thought they could, building the confidence to break up with an absolute arsehole of a partner in a toxic relationship. We want people to create the life for themselves that essentially allow them to thrive because we have done it and we know how good it feels and we want you to really escape those shackles because I remember what it used to feel like to be fucking shackled to the ground it was shit (laughs) and there was always limiting beliefs you were always in a box and people around you never really helped and this is the number one thing that I want people to get from the day as well is I want people to realize that they don't have to succumb to the opinions of people in their life because of their own poor beliefs also because as you said, these events don't go on often. It's very difficult to get in a room of like-minded individuals that understand that you want to be better because people in your life usually just enable you. They usually just sit in that hurt and that pain with you and justify why you're feeling that way and always blame the the opposing party. Whereas as much as it may be other people's faults and some things, you've still got a responsibility for how you can change it and how you can approach it differently. And there's no point in having to live day to day, week to week always hurt, always suffering, always feeling as if you're capable of more, being sick of a particular situation. So much fucking potential there for you. And we want to show you how you can get it. Um, So as I was saying, amongst that ramble, we are offering a discount to anyone that listens to the podcast. Now, Jane has been lovely enough since I've been away on holiday to put all of this together. So want to tell the listeners what the discount code is and what the, the price structure is for those who are going to get the discount versus the full price. Sure. So very creatively, um, I've called the discount code BFL Podcast, all capital letters. So our full price tickets will be sold at forty pounds. Um, which, in all honesty, when we compared it to, we were like, "What's the bare minimum that we can charge for these?" Because we really just want it to be like accessible for people. We don't want it to be something that feels limited. But for anyone who follows us on socials or listens to the podcast. We'll be discounting that to thirty pounds for you. Um, so if you use the code BFL podcast, you will get a discount to thirty pounds a ticket. Um, and something I think that um we maybe hadn't mentioned was that if there is anybody else that you would like to bring along, um, then please share with them if there's anybody else that you think actually they maybe don't listen to the podcast, but I think that they would really really benefit from this. Please share it with people who you think would be interested and who would like to come along, and we'll even allow you to extend the discount code to them, even if they don't listen to the podcast. Just don't tell anybody. Um, don't tell Mark as if he's right here uh, listening to me. But even just like family, friends, cousins, like. Like I said, so many of my friends just started listening to the podcast out of support for me um, and now actually genuinely like really enjoy it and listen every week. So if there's ever somebody who you think, do you know what, I think it would be good for them to just be around a good group of people, um, even a friend who's going through a tough time and you think it would just be good for them to be in a good environment around supportive people, um, please share it with anyone else who you think would be interested and like I said, we'll, we'll even let them use the podcast discount code on, on the provision that they start listening, um, even after after this but um, since they're your pal since they're your pal we'll love it we'll love it um, and we'll obviously be sharing all the details on our socials um so you can contact us there if you've got any questions or you want to know anything any more information um you probably are sitting listening to this thinking oh i would love to do something like that but i'm far too scared um or i, I would really enjoy a day like that but there's no way i am going into a room of people when i don't know anyone Mark, if you had been given a pound for every time we had a client or even someone who's a friend of a client coming along to the event who said that thing, 
how rich would you be estimated? I would be um I would probably be doing this podcast out of one of four of my penthouses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Because like the thing is is that we don't like to be exposed. Humans will always perceive like threat. It's even social situations humans will perceive as a threat before anything else. So your threat response is already up for the fears of how you might be perceived, what being in in an environment or a room like that would be like, not knowing anyone, right? But the thing is, is see if you already listen to this podcast, there is probably nothing about the two of us that you don't already know, right? So you probably know us better than a lot of our own family and friends do, the amount that we have laid bare on here. Yeah. and you obviously know a bit about Ruri too. So you actually already know three people in the room. So if you feel any sort of reservations or you want a wee bit of reassurance that if you come along and you will be met with a friendly face, send us a message um, and we'll look out for you and we'll make sure that we'll greet you at the door like the the VIP that you are. Yep. And the thing is, we are basically best pals. Like Jen unveiled her sausage story to you guys after <laughs> what? how many weeks in the podcast? And it took multiple years of friendship for her to divulge that information to me so the fact that you guys know that story and you learned that story so fast should tell you that you're in a very comfortable place and I think opening the doors for us is to show you how human we are as well I think one thing that we often see inside the program is that and many people say this when they come to us is like I came for one thing and I got so much more and I think amongst our professional experience between the team what's like close to 40 years of professional experience we've got so much shared life experience and I actually shared this last week in my social media that realistically whenever I've went to a coach or mentor it's always been for a particular outcome or a particular thing but very often the way in which they've helped me most has given me life advice outside of their expert field and it's because that life advice has actually been able to show me a different perspective and open my eyes to something that I never knew was holding me back from my implementation. And that's what we have in abundance. We are not just well-skilled and well, let's just say well-educated in what we do. We are fucking well-experienced, probably overly experienced for our age. That's why I feel like I'm turning 40 and not 30. Um, So we want to really open your eyes to that because many people think that the process and this journey of going through a transformation or a, pro- a process of self-development is all just about the particular outcome and how we can give you new advice on how to manage your steps better or your workouts better or your nutrition better. You have to have a far greater and grander level of thinking to be able to go to heights that you've never been able to have before. And that's what we want to offer you because the perspective that you'll get from us isn't just us wanting to hold your hand to take the biscuits out of your mouth when you need it the most. It's actually us giving you the thing that you need to make this fucking successful long-term. That is what we want to open your eyes to. And a lot of that won't just come from the knowledge that you need to develop, but more so the things that you have to overcome within your own life that you might perceive that we are not well qualified to deal with, but probably can give you far more advice and help on than you truly know. Only if you're open and willing to, to to be honest about it. Yeah, 100%, because like I say this to coaches who I train all the time, is that coaching is not about the context. So like... I used to coach a rocket scientist. Like, I couldn't tell you the first thing about building fucking rockets, right? I don't need to, because I don't need to have the knowledge about how you build the rocket. I just need to coach you to understand what you need to do to build the rocket. So it's not for me to add information. It's not for me to add context. Yes, sometimes it's relevant, but the vast majority of the time, if I'm coaching you to, like, move abroad or change career or do any of these things it's not about the context that I can add to that but the space that I can hold for you as a coach to support you and help you to explore that Um, and I think that's something that people maybe underestimate is that 
that is literally your job is to coach you as a person um, through whatever challenge it is that you would experience and we don't have to have the answers and neither do you we'll go in together as thinking partners and we'll find the answers together well put together well put together and that's why we are fucking different so you know use that discount code go on the link that is in the comment section of the podcast this is weird the description part is the that description part and then we'll put we'll put it on our stories as well and we'll do i don't know if you, i don't think you can put links in grid posts so we'll maybe just put it in stories yeah yeah i will put up a grid post about it guys just so that you can see it and um you can flood me with your messages to tell me how happy you are that you bought a ticket <laughs> I'll put it in my link tree. I've got a link tree in my bio and Instagram, so I'll stick it in there. So do I, but I've not been on link tree in about three years. <laughs> I, I, I need to go on and update it, so I do apologise for being an absolute Neanderthal. <laughs> um, but off the back of obviously sending out an incredible offer to you guys, me and Jen just thought today could be a little bit more relaxed with what we discuss, even though it will bring a ton of value. And I know that because we have this conversation so many times behind the scenes or let's just say conversations surrounding this subject so many times behind the scenes on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, depending on what's in the water and how many issues people are actually having within their own lives. So we wanted to talk about just being two old married cunts. <laughs> Pretty much. Here is, here is our, now that Mark has joined me in the old, I mean, we were, you were already in the old and boring camp, but yep. now that you're married, now that you're a married man, you can add in the old, boring and married um, statement. So yeah, yet another thing that the brain twins can fucking connect on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually not going to beat around the bush. I fucking love being married. I think it was built for marriage. Class in it. That's a that's a that's a spin-off brand, built for that marriage. Is. I know that will be uh, Paul and Joanne's podcast. Um when we were at Ibiza, Paul and Joanne basically were talking about how we work too much. <laughs> and how they called themselves <laughs> they called themselves the real housewives of built for life. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically went on to talk about if they started a podcast, they would probably get more views and listen for hours. And to be honest, yeah. I fucking probably would. I would. I definitely would. Definitely would. And we've actually floated, well, I've not floated actually. Let me retract these words. Jane then floated the idea of letting them two do a podcast on this podcast when I said, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second that came out of my mouth and the two of their eyes lit up, I realised I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> She had, to, she had to really retract on that one there, but then they've non-stop talked about it realistically every time they've seen each other. I'm pretty sure they were fucking steaming at Calvin Harris and they were talking about what the first episode was going to be. They were planning out their first episode, <laughs> like a la vodka fan 11. Oh my God. As much as I had a great time, I don't want to see a vodka fan 11 again for fucking... For as long as I live. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about being old married couples. Um, I think... The basis of this episode for you guys listening is realistically to get an inside scoop into how our relationships have developed over time as we've grown. I think that's a really, really important concept. And I think I had a conversation with one of the Built for Life clients today that actually is doing a bit of work on herself, trying to figure out whether or not she's with her current partner just because she was lonely prior to joining the program, which is probably something that most people struggle with because they enter into relationships for their own reasons. But also at the same time, I think everyone's lonely to a degree before they meet someone. Not everyone, that's a generalised statement. Some people are very happy on their own. But loneliness is a, a big part of why people actually feel more inclined probably to be with someone that does portray more red flags, don't maybe have the same values and so on and so forth. Because I would be lying if I didn't say that I wasn't lonely when I met you. I did feel lonely when I met you. 
And obviously things have changed quite drastically in our life since then, not just together as a couple, but also individually. So loneliness was definitely a part of that. But I think what's important is to try and figure out what needs to be done to build a relationship where you're both a, par- a partnership, a-, a team, rather than feeling like two individuals battling against one another. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's funny because like me and Paul were talking about this yesterday. We have been together for eight years in December. And I was like, it's so funny to think back to those two, like, wins. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That met each other eight years ago. And, like, Paul, so I knew who Paul was. He didn't know who I was, which makes me sound like a pure stalker. But I was anything but because he stalked me, right? Oh, he, he started to stalk you big time. He fully stalked me. Um, he said in a, <laughs> he said in the speech at our wedding, which is a genuinely a true story. Um, like he, he was in my DMs and Twitter for ages, and I was just patching him, patching him, patching him. And um, eventually, all places in the world. I know. Well, I used to be a big deal on Twitter. And, like I, I, I see my Twitter back in the day would fucking get me sacked now. Um, <laughs> but I was a big. Deal. I used to be in Buzzfeed and all that, and Scottish Pattern and all that all the time. No way. Was I'm well funny, right? I used to be a big deal on Twitter. Um. <laughs> So like he would he was messaging me and all that on there and like we always had mutual friends so that was kind of how I knew who he was but obviously because I was a child bride like I was like always like being a child bride never <laughs> really hung about with folk that much and um we he was DMing me DMing me DMing me on Twitter and then he was like trying to like fire in and, and I said to him like oh can we take a rain check because at this point I hadn't been single for I'd been single for about a year I think by this point. And I was so scunnered and disillusioned with like men in general that I was just like, I can't actually face going on another first date with a wedding. Yeah. So I was like, oh, can we take a rain check? And he thought, I said, see if we get a reality check. <laughs> so he was like, what a fucking cheeky bastard. Um, but didn't deter him, kept on trying, kept on trying. And then eventually I agreed to, like, I agreed to go for a drink with him. And I said to my pals, um, that I was taking him on a pity date to get rid of him and, and on our wedding day during the speech he was like I would like to note that Jen told her pals that she was taking me on a pity date to get rid of me so how's that pity date going hen and I was like shit <laughs> man's got me there like um, the world's longest pity date um, but I think like what's so funny about it is that at the time I would have told you that that was the worst possible time for me to be in a relationship with somebody like I'd just come out of a six year long abusive relationship I was living the life that I felt like I missed out on so much. Like when I was younger, um, I was absolutely mental with mental illness. Um, I'd just started my job in the NHS. I was very focused on growing my career. So it was actually the worst time for me to meet somebody. And I was, exactly as you say, happy being single, but I still feeling that inherent feeling of like loneliness. And I think like, when I met Paul I didn't I genuinely and I'm not even being funny like I genuinely expected this to be like I'm going to go on one date with this cunt to get him out my DMs and then like patch him and these were in the days of like this was not even tinder was like a huge thing it had just come out and everybody was on tinder and I went on a date with this guy oh my god he was such a weapon um we went for we went for a drink do you remember bunker in town that was like oh. the date spot everybody went to bunker yeah. and I so um, he went and I'm very much like I don't like I'm a lot better now because I'm literally married to the man but I really don't like men paying for things for me it's always made me uncomfortable just I fucking know you should see I was trying to fight to pay for coffee when we're together it's ridiculous I just don't like it like I'm kind of like that with everybody like I'll always fight people to pay stuff but men particularly I just really don't like especially like if it's somebody like 
is something that me and Paul have had to work on a lot because he's like, you're my wife and I want to buy you dinner, like calm down. So I'm a lot better now, but in the early days I would really struggle with it and date and I really struggled with it as well. So I was always very much like we split everything down the middle. Um, and obviously I'm a extreme feminist, so like I'll pay my own way. Um, <laughs> so I went for, I met this guy for a first date in Bunker and like we were just doing rounds, but he was going up to the bar. So I gave him what I thought was a £20 note, right? <laughs> it was a tenner. And he came back to the table and he was like, oh, uh, the round's actually £12. You've only given me a tenner. So he waited until I counted out the change in his hand, right? Which, like, fair enough, but, like, also not fair enough because had he given me a tenner, I would have just put the extra two quid in and not said anything because I'm not a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and then he was obviously nervous because not to blow my own trumpet, but I was significantly better looking than him, right? He was a catfish. But, like, I felt sorry for him, so I was just giving him the time of day. And, um... We were sitting, like, having a drink, and then he pulled out his phone and he opened Tinder, and he was showing me, like, people, <laughs> swearing God, right? This is why women are sick of fucking dating, right? Because this is the reality of it. Um, He was swiping on his phone and, like, showing me people and being like, oh, do you think she's, like, hot? And then I was like, um, I... And like he swipe, he was like swipe right, and he was like, "Oh, look, it's a match." And I was, like, "This can't actually be real." So like, any women know when you're on a first date, you have an emergency like thing that you'll text your pal like SOS, get me the fuck out of here. So I text one of my pals. She phoned me with the, "Oh my god, you'll never believe what's happened. You'll need to come and get me." And I was like, "Oh, sorry, I'm going to need to go." My pals phoned me. Right, see if ever you're on a date with a woman and she has to leave for some sort of emergency, know that it's her pal just trying to get her the fuck out of there. Leave her alone. Don't follow her up. Don't you fucked it. <laughs> right, like just just leave her. Um, so we're leaving. Tried to kiss me, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> swerve!" Like, <laughs> what the fuck do you think just happened here? And then he texted me. Like a couple of days later, because I just patched him. I was, I'm a ghoster, right? I will fully admit that. Like if I'd been on a date with somebody and I wasn't in there, I would just either ghost them or block them and move on with my life. Like I, I just can't, I can't be dealing with it. Um, so which is probably a bad thing, but like I was young and I was, I, did, I was riddled with trauma. Right, leave me alone. Um, so he texted me and was like, "Oh, I would love to go on another date with you." I think it went so well and I was like look mate I'm going to be totally honest with you like that definitely didn't go well and I don't know what parts of it you thought went well and he was like <laughs> really what was wrong and I was like well maybe the next time you go on a date with somebody don't pull out tinder in your phone and start swiping like that would be a good place to start and he was like oh shit I never even thought <laughs> I was like what the fuck right so that was one of many mental like genuinely mental dates that I'd been on so by the time I was like going on a date with Paul, my t- my tolerance level was at roughly ten percent. Like I was very much like I'm just getting dressed up to go for one drink with you to patch you and then go out to my pals. That was pretty much the whole intention. And um, we we met in Bar Home in Merchant City, and like he was like Paul's terrible for like taking photos, eat, eat anything. Like it always looks like he's taking an appetito. So when I'd like Instagram, like looked in his Instagram, I was always like, I feel like I can't really like figure out if like you're good looking or no, because all these photos were fucking hellish. And um, we met and he walked into home and I was like, oh shit, that's him. Like I was like, fuck, he's good looking. And I start, I hid from him. <laughs> I actually ah, hid. Ah, I was sitting at a table in the middle of home and I fucking hid behind a venue because I was like I don't want to be see me like I, I expected him to be a hobbit um <laughs> and then we literally came in and he said in the speech at our wedding he was like I knew like an hour and a half into the date I was going to marry her like that was it from that moment he was like I just knew that within an hour and a half like I'd met the person that I was destined to spend the rest of my life with and it's so funny now trying to think back to like those two people 
because the people that we are now and the people that we were then are just two completely different people but I think when you're committed to someone and even if you're not married like if you're in a long-term committed relationship like if we said this other day like every feel like every evolution of us just gets better that I don't ever pine for those days I don't ever like as much as it's so fun and it's exciting when you first meet somebody and you're up all night texting you probably used to text me poetry and all that um and it worked obviously um he used to text me like poetry and tell me books to read and he started reading books that he fucking hated just to tell me that he'd read the book because I liked the book like all that kind of stuff and like it is like fun and exciting but I never ever pine for it or yearn for it and like in relationships I've been in the past I used to always pine for those early like romantic exciting days and I feel like now I would not swap who we are now for who we were then because it feels like every year we get further on we're like the best version of us but I think that's because we make the decision to grow together like actively make the decision to grow together instead of allowing ourselves to grow apart that fucking that dating story is so fucking funny we could do a whole podcast episode just in dating stories but I feel like that's for a different kind of podcast because many of them I think some of of them are not PG but absolutely you would be horrified at some of the behaviour that I have experienced on on one year one year of being single and I could write tell you one thing but I've never been on Tinder and that was something I was very proud of never ever wanted to go on it couldn't be arsed with it I was just like nope to be fair, I did have to a degree. I wasn't actually single for that long between my ex-girlfriend and actually getting with Joanne, which was quite surprising how I ended up with Joanne kind of so quickly. Um, but I actually met Joanne prior to that relationship ending because my mum and dad, two very strict people, never ever let us have house parties and they were away on holiday and my brother was staying with his girlfriend at the time. Dana, my wee sister, was in the house. She was up the stair in her bed. We were at the Hamilton Palace, me and mates <laughs> can't even remember who was there and i basically said like my mum and dad are away on holiday why go back to my house i think there was maybe like 13 of us so we go back dana's up the stair thought she'd be sound as we sisters do dana sorry if you listen to this you're sounder now you were a grass so <laughs> you then she i remember her saying i don't want you in this house while the dog's here in case something bad happens to the dog like the dog was like the fucking love of my life can you say my mum and dad <laughs> right like what the fuck do you think we're going to do with this dog so <laughs> She takes the dog, goes to my brother's uh, girlfriend's house. I'm then in, the, then in one of the toilets, in um, the back door toilet in my mum and dad's house. And I thought I heard my phone ringing. And I was like, is that my fucking phone ringing? And then it disappeared. So I was like, I must just be steaming. It wasn't my phone. So then I go through and one of my mates, the last just up the hill from me, goes, eh, Strathairn, your dad just phoned. Um, and I answered it. And he basically said, if you don't get out, he's going to punch your cunt. <laughs> so they're in Spain it's like three o'clock in the morning Um, Dana's obviously woke them up there so the crowd were with a boy says oh I know this girl Joanne she's having a house party I was like Joanne who he tells me like never heard of her where does she live is it far they're like nope it's just 10 minutes down the road I was like I fuck it why not let's go (laughs) like I'd rather get out of this house now because it's been tarnished your dad would get a flight home from Spain early just <laughs> so then get taxis down, probably just the back of three o'clock in the morning, and uh, walk into this flat. And then um I'm greeted by several people, and then Joanne comes out like the kitchen, and I'm like, Oh hi, I'm Mark. And she goes, Who the fuck let this guy in? <laughs> <laughs> Steaming, obviously, Steaming. She was like, Who the fuck are you? Like, absolutely, but I say Steaming, she was miraculous, Steaming. 
And I was like, oh, I'm Mark. And then all these people I'm with are like, oh, Mark, he sounds like he's a really nice guy, blah, blah, blah. She's like, get the fuck out of my house. Right? <laughs> oh, so then our pals ended up being like, listen, she's drunk. She won't even know you're here. So I ended up getting to the kitchen, the business seat. So I sat on the floor, like in the corner. And every time she came in, because I was kind of behind the door, she never seen me. So I think she thought I'd left. And then um, ended up leaving. We still went out with my ex-girlfriend at the time. Um, and then... Basically, I was in the parkville and Joanne had come up to me. She's since now told me that she was trying to get fired into me, but I was actually outside texting my ex-girlfriend who was giving me grief for being out with my friends. <laughs> so Joanne comes up to me trying to get fired into me and um, she's trying to tell me about the fact that when we were at her house that night, essentially neighbours were going off their nut. She wasn't giving a fuck about how loud they were or what was going on. And I was the one that was going out and calming the neighbours down. So they even. Oh, I remember our dad saying this and he switched to the way. So I go out trying to calm all these neighbours down, basically, like, listen, we'll get the music down. Like, they had kids and all that sort of stuff. And I genuinely do feel bad when that sort of stuff happens. Right. So if it was me, I would be raging. Um, so basically, the neighbours sent an email to our dad telling him how out of order the party was and all the rest of it. But there was this really young young nice man called Mark <laughs> <laughs> that just that just laid the path for you that, that laid the path but um so she's trying to tell me about this email and I am just disinterested because I'm getting hundreds of grief <laughs> so I was just like yep yep text away in my phone you can't see me now through the podcast but I was basically just looking at my phone like yep 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 just like everything she said I don't even think I was really taking in and uh, she said all she thought about after that was like fuck you but then <laughs> and um I'd been single for a few months and I actually remember seeing Joanne pop up on my Instagram a few times and I was like, oh, remember I was at her house. Remember she was then trying to talk to me outside the park. Well, there's always a sixth sense. Like a lassie's not just going to randomly come up and start trying to talk to you and all the rest of it. Not that I'm the better looking one out of the two, obviously. Like she's definitely the better looking one. <laughs> but there's, um, there's always just a wee bit of a sixth sense. Like could there be something there X, Y, and Z? So she then, um, <laughs> she's not really a big gym board, Joanne. And uh, I was working in the gym, on the gym floor at the time. And I was with a client, I had this client for years. We were very comfortable together. And um, Joanne was in on the Stairmaster. I was like, I've never seen her in here. I'd worked in this gym for like a good you few years. I worked in this gym for a good few years now. And she's on the Stairmaster and Joanne wears specs. So she comes down off the Stairmaster and I wave to her and she patches me. <laughs> she's looking right at me in a wave and she patches me. And my client at the time goes, ha, 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 she just fucking patched you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I'm, I'm beaming at this point and then the next thing I see is Joanne kind of looking back over at me she then takes her specs off and like wipes her specs because she's blind without her specs so her specs are all steamed up during it and then she waved back at me and I was like yeah see she wasn't fucking badging me <laughs> like, her specs were just steamed up and then um, then I slid into her DMs as you do afterwards in the modern day romantic way um, because she did put up a dessert and seemed to be Perfectly honest, she never tagged where she was. And you know how I love my cake and that. And she put up this dessert. I genuinely did want to know what it was. So I was like, it's like a double whammy here. I can get in. Aye, and I can get a decent cake. (laughs) I can get a decent cake. (laughs) And then the rest was history. She did say that she was maybe going to patch me like two weeks in because she didn't know if I was interested or not. Um, Which I thought I was giving off interested vibes, but now we're here. Um, well, you could have asked her a call and said, is my partner landing? Which is exactly I, what you asked me. Is my partner working here? Like, is this <laughs> And I'm like, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> but as you said, like, we're, we're completely different people now. And the only time that me and Joanne have potentially ever had issues is if one of us isn't growing and the other one is. 
Mm. You know, like not just as a, a relationship, not just as people in a relationship, but more so individually as well. Because I think so many people enter into relationships now to try and fill a void of unhappiness and loneliness just to try and get some form of like gratification and validation from the other person when that is not the, the reason to be in a relationship. You still need your own independence. And I've always said that if me and Joanne break up tomorrow as heartbroken as I would be, like I would still be okay because I've built a foundation of who I am outside of that relationship as well. But I bring the best of that into the relationship so that that continues to thrive too. Like, And I think that's probably the most important part that people need to understand. But they also need to remember as well, like I and you do too, like not only just work with people, but see people so often that will get married, they'll then have kids, like they'll be so stressed out all the time and it's almost like they forget why they were with that person in the first place. They'll always just bitch about them, how little they do, like how much they annoy them. And I'm like, I never want my relationship to get to that point. Like I want to be putting in the effort. Like if I'm choosing to put in the effort and get up with the baby during the night or go out and work for longer, to like provide for my family like I I'm not going to moan about that because it's a choice I'm making whereas I think in relationships these days people are not clear on their set roles as individuals first and then how you can bring those set roles into a relationship as well yeah 100% because I think for a lot of people like resentment starts to breed and bubble beneath the surface yeah when it feels that there aren't like kind of equal footings being taken and like don't get me wrong like it's not like Paul's my soulmate, like he's my husband, like I love him to absolute death and I know that he loves me the same amount that I love him, like it, you, when you love somebody that much it's hard to put into words, but it still doesn't mean that it doesn't do my fucking head in, oh, <laughs> right, and I do, I do his nothing on a regular basis, right, like we both do each other's nothing, but I think the, the, the thing there is like, a willingness from the other person to let go of the need to win the battle and understand why is it I'm doing your nothing. And I feel like that's something that took a long time for us to get right. We used to argue over housework all the time. And it used to be just daft things where like Paul, Paul's mum did everything for them growing up, right? We were laughing. It was um, Paul's wee cousin's uh, fiance's home hen on Saturday. And um, I was sitting with his mum and she was laughing because Michael, who's his wee cousin who's getting married, was going out for his stag, his home stag that day. And he goes up to, to rest for, for her to iron his shirts. And we were laughing because I said when I first met Paul, like when he used to go on like lads' holidays and all that, Therese would like wash, dry, iron all his clothes and pack his case for him, right? Pack his case and all that. Like, and she's just, she's just that kind of person. Like when we lived with him, like she wouldn't, like I would like try, because we both worked from home. I was like trying to make sure that like, dinners were cooked and like washing was done and all that because she would just do it she would just like wash my clothes and bring them back to me and I was so not used to that I was like please like let me do something I'd be like cleaning the house and all that trying to like contribute because it's just in her nature it's just how she's raised her kids um <clears throat> so like when we first moved in together Paul didn't know how to hang up a washing right and I'm not joking like now you get like a clothes horse like that you hey, hang yeah. clothes on he'd never he lay like four t-shirts on top of each other on the one line and I was like Paul I sent a picture to his mum and I was like what the fuck is this like what is he trying to do here and like she and to be fair she'll admit she was like listen I, I did all that for them so like he's never been shown like how to do it um so like don't get me wrong in the early days I was very much like how do you not know to hang up a fucking washing and we did have these battles over like roles of each other in the house for such a long time that I eventually got to the point where it was like we can keep battling about this and keep fighting over this and keep disagreeing over this and start to breed resentment towards each other 
or we can find a different system that's going to help this to work better and then check in with each other on where we are and cooperating within that system. So like, I think now very much ever since I've kind of started the business and my time is a lot less available. Like I don't have the time to be doing extensive housework in the way that I used to. Um, So it's now got to the point where Paul probably does take more of the share of the load for that. But the recognition is that it's not just because I'm like fucking off it with my pals or I'm just not really bothered about it. Like I'm doing what I can in the time that I have available, but that my time available is significantly reduced. So it's more just like, a, I would say over the years, it's become more of a recognition that it's not always 50-50. Right. I think this is something that that trips people up quite a lot and tripped us up for a long time is that I wanted it to be 50-50. And the reality is that, like, I'm a control freak and I like to forensically clean, like, a crime scene. He's never going to do, do that because that's just not what he does. He doesn't clean in the same way that I, I, I do because I was taught to clean as a child. So, like, we came up with a system where he tidies, I clean. So he takes the first layer away and then I take the second layer away. But the recognition is that sometimes I don't have a week where I can give 50-50. So if it is a week where I can only give 30 and he needs to give 70, then we sit down and specify, right, here's exactly what I can give this week and here's what he can give and then see the following week, see if he's away travelling or he's tired and I've got a wee bit more time available. I'll pick that back up. So it's less of... It's not one person always picking up the slack. I think that's what starts to breed resentment over time is when one person is picking up the slack and the other person is not aware of it or willing to change it. That's when the difficulty starts to come in. Yeah, systems and communication. Like it's systems and communication and everything that you do in life are actually the number or the top two necessities, let's just say, because like if you don't communicate, you don't actually understand how the other person's feeling. How many times have we heard people come into the program and talk about their relationships and make out that everything's hunky-dory? And then the more questions we ask actually comes to fruition that they're just not communicating well. It's like, yeah, you think your relationship is okay because logically you're coming to a conclusion to tell yourself that it's okay based upon these things that are going on currently, but you're still telling me that you're unhappy with X, Y, and Z. How did they feel? Oh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, because you've became logically happy and found uh, found an outcome in your mind and a solution in your mind that allows you to kind of accept the situation as it is now. So you end up being like, okay, well, I'm logically okay with picking up all this stuff and then this person only doing this, but that person could be unfulfilled, not helping you, and then you're not letting them help either. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a dynamic, but you need to communicate, you need to have systems in place because... I know whenever um, Joanne goes to work, for example, she'll send me a list of tasks I have to do, whether that be put the washing on, put the last washing out, whether that be sweep the floors, whether that be hoover, whatever it, whatever it is. And it's like, that better be done by the time I come home. And I'm like, okay, deal, cool, I'll get it done. It might be you need to go out and get some water in, you need to do X, you need to do Y. Like, I know my tasks and I'm never shy of picking up the extra load just like you when I need to. I'll often go the extra mile because it's something I just like to do anyway. Like I like to do the extra, I like to go over and above. Like that's almost how I show my my love for someone is like putting that effort in. But as you said, there's some things that I just can't do quite as well as Joanne can as well. Likewise with Paul, that's probably the cleaning stuff. It's the bathrooms. Yeah. It's the... <laughs> yeah, um, he doesn't, he's not like near the yeah. bathroom. It's the bathrooms, it's the floors. Like I actually do like mopping a floor, but I'm just not great at it. There's supposedly like a technique to it and I'm very unaware of what that technique is. Um, 
So you do, you need to communicate and you need to have better systems in place because I feel as though the people that come to us and tell us that they're doing it all, there's two types of people, the people that say that they're doing it all or the people that say that they can't take more time to focus on themselves because they're not doing as much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one side of the pendulum versus the other. There's problems with that because number one, the people that are doing too much are not communicating and putting better systems in place with the people they're with, the partners they're with, purely because they're scared of what that person's reaction is going to be. And then on the flip side, the people that are scared to take more time for themselves is that they're not actually demanding a greater level of load from their partner so that the partner is then in a better headspace to say, you know what, you are helping me out. And as a result of that, like going to the gym is something that you should be able to do for yourself. Like, as you said, resentment is getting built if you're not doing as much as you need to, like in a partnership. And then that person is going to be like, well, why are you getting to fucking go to the gym on top of everything else you do? Because I do everything. And the people that we speak to very often do say, yeah, but they don't like me doing extra. Or the people that do too much already are like, I don't like this person helping me because they can't do it to the same standard. And it's like, no, you just have to relinquish a little bit of control here. 100%. 100%. Like I had to let go of the need and the expectation that, he was going to do it to my standard when only I can do it to my standard. Like, even if, like, my mum came in and cleaned my full house, I'm still going to find fucking errors in the way that she's cleaned in comparison to me, even though it was her that taught me how to clean a house. So, like, it's always, nobody's ever going to do anything the way that you do it. And it's almost like you need to, there is a total balance there between you relinquishing the need for complete control, the recognition that if they don't do it, like, in the way that you do it, but they take the first layer of dirt off, like you can go in and shine things up, like yeah. it's if you want to. But I think relinquishing that control, and I think also almost like allowing the other person to just do it in their way to their standard so that, that they learn it for themselves, as opposed to because I find a lot of time a lot of women will do this where it's almost like to partners I need you to help me I need you to help with the kids I need you to help with the house and actually they're not your tasks to be helped with if it was something just for you that you needed help with that's different but when it's shared responsibilities that you've both entered into in a shared agreement this isn't about who helps who it's about you both making a, contrib a contribution to the home that you're building together and I think when we started having that conversation it was very much like how do we both make a contribution to this home and this life that we are building like what is a what is the contribution that we are both going to make it became less about me saying i need you to help me right because that's they're not my task to be helped with but rather how do we both make sure that we are making a fair and equal contribution so that the other doesn't harbor resentment and also having a willingness to be called out when you're not meeting that standard because like this happened to us this year where the roles reversed and Paul was taking a lot more of this year than I was and he had to sit me down and say look how the fucking tables have turned but it was like you're now working too, too much to the point where it's having an impact on our home life and at that point like I know you'll be the same but like my marriage is my number one priority above everything else. Like if so, if Paul comes to me and says there's something not right here, nothing else in that moment matters until that thing is made right again. Because for me, nothing in my life can exist if he's not okay and he's not happy. Like nothing in my life would be everything. I feel like everything in my life. What's the point in having all that success if my relationship's not happy? And I feel like when you both approach it from that perspective, where it's the number one priority you recognise that actually if there's a problem, this needs to get dealt with 
quickly and I think I say this to people all the time and I think I say it to you as well I feel like the, the only difference with marriage is that you have a lower level of tolerance for problems like yeah. things that previously we would have just brushed under the carpet like before like even when we were engaged like you're not really you're not really in the frame of mind of this is forever so like we need to deal with it because this is we're in this together forever whereas like I feel that once we got married it was very much like right we both we need to deal with this in the here and now before it festers because if it festers we're going to just have to deal with it at some point it's almost like because you've demonstrated that level of commitment to one another it's not just to each other but a commitment to like nurturing the life that you've got and I think that's maybe something that a lot of people forget in a long-term relationship is that you can't just like build it and then show up like you need to show up and you need to nurture it and sometimes how you nurture a relationship is going to look different as the years go on as kids are introduced as well like that adds a whole other dynamic to your relationship and I think that's the difference for me between people I know who maybe just kind of show up and you know go through it as opposed to the people who actually actively nurture it and have a willingness to nurture it based on what the other person needs because like I feel like everyone deserves to be loved in the way that they want to be loved. And it's not for you to say, well, this is how I show love. Like, that's fine. But if that's not how I want to receive love, then we need to have a conversation about what needs to change here. Like, I've said this before, like, for a long time, I was had to say to Paul, like, he kept, because I don't let him buy me anything. And he was like, but how do I show you, like, love if you won't let me fucking buy you things and I'm like honestly have my fucking dinner ready for me finishing work have a bath run and my jammies like out the tumble dryer so I still got a wee bit of heat in them like that for me is like doing things that make my life easier that's how I want to be loved so I feel like when you can communicate that clearly with one another it just removes all that guesswork it removes all that fucking resentment and it means that both of you are happy in the relationship but as individuals as well because you need to be happy as an individual, exactly as you said, and not just be have the relationship as your only source of happiness because that doesn't work. And it also removes the gender roles here, which I think is huge, like yeah. massive. It's I think it's a very um, prominent thing within relationships that you just automatically take up gender roles. Like the guy is the provider, the woman is the person that does everything around the house, and so on and so forth. And a lot of guys and women will live with that same structure, that same routine that it always has been like, but it's no longer the fucking early 1900s, you know what I mean? It's not like the 50s, it's not the 70s, it's not the 80s. Things have changed and there are a lot more stronger, powerful women now doing great things with their their, their businesses, with their careers, um, with their performance and athletes and so on and so forth. Like the world's becoming a very strong place for, for women because of the work that they've put in, how they've demanded the same level of respect as men. Granted, they might not always get it, but there's so much There's so much for me here where there's still a large portion of the population, especially in the UK anyway, that just take up those gender roles. Like, oh, I'll stay here on a Saturday if you're a woman. I'll stay in the house, I'll do the cleaning. He'll go out with the football. They'll go out with the boys after. I'll make sure his dinner's ready when he comes home and I'll go pick him up and X, Y, and Z. And it's... Never a case of what is the man doing around the house. When was the last thing he stayed in and watched the kids to let the the um, the the women go out? And this is something that I really want to do differently inside of my marriage long term. Is I want to be in this. What's the best word to describe it? Like in this very shifting and changing role. You know, fluent, fluent, fluent. fluent. Yes, that's a good word. That's a good word. I want to be in this very fluent role where I can take up both. Like. You know me anyway, I will be the dad that stays in at the weekend while Joanne goes out. 
definitely. I'll see her with the kids. I see her with the dog through. I'm like, we can't we can't take the dog anywhere like again for another weekend. So I'll stay and you go out. Like I will very much take that, take that role. And I'm proud of taking that role when a lot of people will probably look down and be like, fucking poofs getting left in with the kids. Aye, aye. And I think like what I, mean? I think it's obviously we can only speak for being in like like heterosexual relationships, but I think like the like the expectations and the like the misogynistic structures that exist for women like just periphery everywhere so like there is um my whole life I've not subscribed to the to the gender norms of what it means to be a woman I've never been like a girly girl I like being girly sometimes but it's not like a huge component in my personality I've always had like I've always just been like a wee guy really like I I'm just a fucking wee guy. I've always been a wee guy. Um but even that is viewed a lot of the time with like negative misogynistic views like like oh she's one of the guys, do you know what I mean? When actually like she's not really and, and even stuff like that. So I think the challenge is is that as a woman existing in a patriarchal system, you're constantly fighting against the expectations of patriarchy, the judgments of misogyny, and then trying to carve out what you want for yourself. Yeah. So like it's mad that like ever since we get married, people ask me when I'm having children, not if. Yeah. Right. So when will you have children? And then the further on that we go married without children, people start to assume there's something wrong. So they don't talk to you about it at all. Right. They're feared to talk to you about it. And actually, you should never, ever ask anybody what their plans are unless they bring it up. Right. Don't ask a woman if she's trying. Don't ask her if she's pretty. See, I'm a people who ask me if I'm fucking pregnant because I'm driving. And I'm like, I drive to social events all the time and have done for a very long time, right? I'm just fat and sober. I'm not pregnant, right? Leave me alone. Um, but so many people will make assumptions about like what your plans are or because you're married, the next step must be children because that's what's expected of you as a woman. And it's, it's weird because sometimes other women especially if an older generation unless they are career driven women they don't know what to speak to me about because i don't have kids yeah so they don't there's not that common denominator in conversation and i think sometimes when when i say to people like you know we do have plans but i'm focusing on x y and z at the moment and i'm happy growing my career and i'm growing my business and blah 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 it's almost like they can't compute it and i think in the modern world like people our age totally get it like my friends I have friends who have multiple kids I have friends who have no kids and have no intention of having kids anytime soon or friends who just don't want kids completely and it's not an issue for anybody that that's a thing right but there's definitely still that older generation expectation of when you're a woman and when you're a wife this is your role right and it's it's mad because we don't do we've never really had like very gender non-specific like in our in our relationship ever like I will need to work because I run my own business I can't take time off can't take maternity leave so if we have children Paul will probably be the one that takes maternity leave and even when you tell people that they're fucking horrified like at the concept of a man taking time off work to go to fucking bounce and rhyme like we're a child right but like we have very flexible careers. I'm not going to be this fucking absent mother. But like, even the way you're viewed as a woman when you make that decision is almost like you're going to you're going to not be present for your child. Whereas when it's a man doing it, sound because right. he's the protector and provider. So even just stuff like that, although 
it's not as present for us in our generation. There's still those wee like judgments and expectations and whispers that you're already fighting against. But I think like when you when you're with someone who you have shared values with, like shared core values, a shared vision for how you want to live your life, and you'd really have a you can be different, I think, as people, but at your core, if you share the same values, vision, understanding of what you want to get from life, it's literally nobody's business how you live your life except for one another. 100%. 100%. And it's so funny you say that about um, people asking if you're going to have kids because you know how many times we've been asked since mm-hmm. we got married if we're going to have kids, right? And I still feel like a wee guy. So when people yeah. are talking to me about kids, I'm like, kids? That's like 10 years away. And bear in mind, I'll be turning 40 in like 10 years. But I've always said like 35, 36 is the prime time I want to have kids. I want to like enjoy the early stages of my marriage. I want to travel more. Like I want to do things that essentially still bring me joy before I'm tied down with a greater level of responsibility. But even then, I still question whether or not I see myself with children. Because right now it's not a deep want, you know? Yeah. It's almost yeah. like it's a it's a need because everyone else believes that it's a need. So you should yeah. be doing it because it's what's normal. And to be perfectly honest, right now, I wouldn't want to add to anything another layer of complexity into Joanne and I's relationship. I genuinely wouldn't. And what you were saying there as well, um, actually struck a chord with me when you said like you were always one of the boys. Like I was always someone who got on far greater with women. Always. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And I always have thought that guys always find me quite awkward to be around. Don't get me wrong, like my uh, my like closest friends, they're all very similar in the sense that they're quite they're quite like chameleons. Like they can go on well with women, they can go on well with guys just as well as each other. And it's quite it's quite um, funny how we've kind of found that group. Like we're not like a mad group of shaggers around women. Like yeah. we just enjoy being around women and their company and like the laugh you can get with them and so on and so forth. And we're just very comfortable with them. But outside of that, any other groups that I've had, I've always felt like they've always struggled to take to me as a guy because they find me quite awkward to speak to because I don't really talk about the same things that other guys talk about. Yeah. And I even think now, the older I'm getting, the more people I'm meeting, I'm probably missing out on people, which I don't care about anyway, inviting me to social situations because they're almost like, well, we're going out with these lads. I don't know how Mark would fit into that. So we're not going to invite them, you know, because there's other people I've met, especially now that I'm over here in Dubai, that probably you would think would extend an open arm for an invite when Mm -hmm. with X, Y, and Z, but then it doesn't happen. And then next time you see them, it's like, we should do something just together. (laughs) Me and you should do something. So it's like, you don't want to, you like you like me as a person, but you don't think I would fit in enough into like this friendship circle of boys because I'm probably not quite as inclusive with the same beliefs and same kind of thought processes and approaches to the discussions you would have. It's that it's that toxic masculinity, isn't it? Like uh, you can only be involved if you're going to participate in the toxic masculinity I, and objectify women with us. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's so funny because like so many of these people are also overweight. And I'm like, if you looked at anyone toxically masculine on the surface, it would probably be me. Exactly. I all <laughs> looked after himself, you know what I mean? Whereas these guys, I think, not these guys in particular, but just these men who who portray that, I think it's just a, a massive level of insecurity. Like, yeah, there's so many men that are so scared of being weaker than a woman. Yeah. Oh, but thank I've always said from day dot, see from the day even I used to train women in the gym and guys together, I always said that women were stronger than men because see some women when you train them, they would go through 
15 reps on the hack squat to failure, or you would think it would be failure, and the face wouldn't even change. <laughs> no, no facial expression. I'm like, how, how is this? Are you all right? Oh, it's well so. And I'm like, really? Yeah, <laughs> there's like, a reason that we are the ones that give birth. <laughs> I, that's what I've always said. That is what I've always said. Whereas some guys I train, I'd be like, right, we need to be pushing to failure. Like, you want to build muscle. You're telling me this is something you want. You can't pussy out five fucking reps in. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, but it was getting hard. Well, you've still got enough 10 reps in the tank. No, maybe only have two. And I'm like, I know you've got 10. I can tell yeah. you. Like, I've done this a very long time. And um, even even that was an enlightening moment for me to see the difference in, like, physical strength between men and women. Yeah. Yes, men might have been stronger naturally, but the ability to take your pain threshold to places yeah. as genders, I would always say that women outweighed men. I am that. Um, I was that wee lassie who, when the teacher asked for big, strong boys, I was the first one up there. Like, I'm a fucking I, I, big, strong boy. I'll carry the fucking chairs. Don't get the boys to do it. But no. I think, like, um, it's mad because I think, like, I think when you you don't play any like stereotypical gender roles, it's something that's very normal to you. So I feel like it's always been very normal to me yeah. my whole life to have male friends. Like, I played American football. I was in the pop punk bands. Yeah. Like, like I, I I didn't do typical girly stuff, and but sometimes I did, and that's okay because it's all right to do both, right? You don't need to subscribe to one. Um, but I think when we were growing up, there was so much of that. Like, you're one or the other. Like, you can't even fucking have both and. Um, so it's always been really normal to me to have male friends and same for Paul, like Paul's best friend, Louise, as a woman, she was the best woman at like, our wedding, but she's my really good friend as well, so it's not this, it's it's weird because I feel like, our, like not his parents because they know Louise, but like my parents, like I remember me and Paul first met and my mum was like, his best friend's a woman, like she thought this was really weird. And I was like, what are you f- struggling to comprehend about that? Because he's got a group of female friends. Like, I was like, what are you finding difficult about this? And she was like, oh, I wonder if anything's ever happened. And I'm like, well, mum, I'm pretty sure if anything was going to happen, it would have happened in the 20 years <laughs> before I came along, right? Like, they had plenty of time for something to happen before I came along. But I do think a lot of it is like a bit of a generational thing, but definitely still exists now. Like, I know a lot of people who would not be okay with their partner having a friend of the opposite sex. Like, and I do think a lot of it again comes down to what we were saying before about like when you are happy in yourself, you're yeah. happy in your relationship. And I think if you're not happy and secure in yourself, you know, I think I did find I was so insecure in myself for such a long time that that manifested as insecurity in my relationship but actually when I started to work on feeling more secure and accepting of me and building the life that I wanted but in conjunction with someone else it really starts to change how you show up in your relationship and I think when you're both working on stuff that you love like Paul loves his job like <laughs> full week of your wedding he's just spoke to folk about fucking trade unions I swear yep. to god there was one point he disappeared for like do you remember he disappeared for like an hour and a half yep. and I was yep. like has anybody seen him like I don't know where he is and I seen him in the corner and Joanne's dad's pal's face yep. like just screaming him about trade unions and I'm like oh my god Paul leave the man alone but like he loves his job he's so passionate about what he does that we both have our own stuff separate from one another that's a huge component of our life and then we come back together for our stuff that's shared and I think it's really important that you have your own we both have separate interests like I enjoy the football but I'm not like a season ticket holder or anything he is he goes every single week it's a huge component of his life he goes with his pals goes with his dad like I do my stuff with my pals like he's not really into health and fitness I am so like I'll go and run or I'll do like 
fitness shit with my pals that he thinks is dull. I mean, not so much now because he's joined the programme. No, um, I know, he, he cured my ear off of Calvin Harris about how much he wanted to join the programme, so now he is here. <laughs> the only reason he's joined the programme is because if we ever have children one day, he doesn't want to be the dad that loses at sports day. That's it. I, he literally said, I, I think it's okay to quote this on, a, on the podcast. God. God. Maybe I won't get cancelled. Do you want me to go full on Raw Paul here? No, because you might get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that he, he basically said he wanted to be fitter than all the young dads. Let's just put it, we'll put it nicely. I'll, I'll withstand what he really said. <laughs> I don't because, like, I don't oh, want to say what he really said. Deep into those uh, vodka fan elements. Um, but I, so I think it's it's important that you build your own lives, but that they coordinate with one another. You know, yep. I mean, not separate lives entirely, but having your own shit that you then come back together because i think if you're too dependent on one another for happiness or for purpose that just starts to create challenges yeah and i think when you are independent anyway you kind of take up more of a fluent role because you're happier too because you realize that you maybe are going against the grain of what's normal within other relationships because even relationship standards how many relationships have you seen growing up and you've been in a fair few fucking shitters um so we, few. <laughs> we both have, yeah, we both, we both have. <laughs> like how, how many of those relationships like are really inspiring to you to see like how many of them are are different than the just going out getting pissed being horrible to each other getting back together have an argument blah 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 get abused obviously in your we can laugh about it now um, <laughs> people are going to be like for fuck's sake jesus Listen, christ can you laugh at your own misfortune who can exactly exactly but i don't think there's been a lot of um relationships probably growing up that allow you to idealize what it looks like um mm. so you need to kind of create that for yourself so as Jen said, being independent on your own, having your own thing, growing together as individuals, but also allowing that to help you grow as a as a team is so important. And also yeah. just being open-minded, open-minded to what you guys can do to create systems through the communication you have with each other that are actually going to suit the growth of your relationship. Yeah. Because as I said, kind of earlier on, like the only time you're ever going to feel lost is if you're not growing anymore. So if you're growing on your own, your partner's not, and your relationship feels like it's in a bit of a, a tough spot, figure out how you can grow together, even if that person doesn't have a personal individual goal for now, because even growing yeah. together and kind of pulling them along might enlighten them as to what they can focus on for themselves. So you really do need to be a team. And that's something that I would just bring back to Joanne and I, like whenever we start to kind of bicker and get at each other a wee bit too much, I'll always be like, remember, we're a team here. What is yeah. the outcome that we want? As you said, you're not trying to be right, but it's like, how can we come to a conclusion that suits us both here? Yeah, absolutely. Which absolutely. Is- if one person feels that they're making all the sacrifice, it's always going to feel like imbalance. And I think a lot of it has to come down to the fact that like, y- you have to support one another to be the best version of yourselves, yeah. but you also need to bring out the best in each other. So yeah. like, you, you absolutely have to bring out the best components of one another when you're together should be when like you're at your best. And I think... If you can bring out the best in each other and you can encourage the best in each other, and that doesn't always mean just being supportive. That means like challenging as well. Like oh, I forced forced Paul to apply for this job. Like like he would not have that job. And he says that if I hadn't bullied him into doing the application. Like, and that wasn't down to me expecting him to do better or do more. That was down to me knowing he was capable of more and that he was unhappy and that actually he needed to be pushed to go after what he wanted and I've just made him do it again <laughs> um, because I think and he pushed me to to leave my job and run this business even when I felt like 
I mean, you and him teamed up to bully me. Um, but like he pushed me, even though I, I really felt like I don't know if I can do this. It was very much like, well, tough shit. Like you need to go and do it. So it's very much, I think, pushing each other to be better and expecting better of one another as well, because like you deserve to be with somebody who brings out the best in you, but you need to replicate that in someone else as well. And I think the person you're with should always encourage you to be at your best and be better. And if they're not, then I think you have to question what is it? If they're trying to pull me back, if they're trying to drag me down, if they're trying to keep me the same, why is that? Yeah, like, yeah. what what do we need to have a conversation about here if that's, if that's what's been perpetuated? Yeah. And listen, being straight up as well, see if it gets to the point where they're not willing to change, get fucking rid of them. Oh, <laughs> like, see, see this whole like, oh, they keep doing the same thing, keep saying they're going to change, X, Y, and Z. Listen, see if you've not got proof that someone is willing to change, stop wasting any more of your fucking breath on this planet being with someone, right? Just look at the upsides of what can be possible within your life if you're not with someone that is constantly fucking pulling you down. And most of the time, if people are pulling you down and holding you back, they're going to have limited how much you see you can achieve for yourself anyway, which is probably the most difficult thing and why it's so hard to leave. But... You have to recognize what life was like before these people. Use that as a guiding light for what you want to get back and get them so far to fuck. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I wasted six years with somebody who was never going to change, was never willing to change, and is probably still the exact same fucking cunt that they were back then. Like, a person will show you who they are and who they're going to be, I would say, within the first year. I'd say after a year, especially once you've lived together, like once you live with someone, you you see who they are as a true person and yeah. see if after living together, they don't have a willingness to change. Like they're never going to change. They've shown you the whole person that they're capable of being. Like don't waste your fucking, don't waste your time with the wrong person that's delaying your ability to meet the right one. Aye. And I think it's really important to say on that point, it's like we always portrayed that we were the people that we are now. We're just further along now. Like yeah. some people say, oh, but they could change because were you guys the same at the beginning of your relationship? It's like, well, we were the same people with the same characteristics. We all had the same beliefs and views and we always knew we wanted to go somewhere. We maybe never had what we had now back then. Yeah. <laughs> but we always had the underpinning characteristics of, of the people that we are today. So those individuals knew who we were and they were with us for the journey that we were about to go on. If you're with someone that is not portraying the, the qualities in themselves that you would like, get them to fuck. Yeah. And you, if you've given them countless chances, get them to fuck. And see this these days, and I'm just going to be brutally honest because I'm back and I'm on a rampage. See if it's like I'm not confident enough, I don't have the self-esteem. Your self-esteem's going to actually fucking improve if you get rid of these cunts. <laughs> That's all the perspective you need. That is all the perspective you need. So don't use how you feel within yourself to talk yourself out of making a life-altering decision that could take you amazing places. Jen would not be here today unless she'd left that relationship. So yeah. I probably wouldn't be here if I never left my, my last relationship or let's say left, got dumped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call it what it is, mate. <laughs> I, but listen, like I, I wouldn't be in the, those things are, are things that I'm fucking so thankful for. So yeah. hopefully you've enjoyed our rambles today. Like I don't really feel like there was a structure to that. We just talked. I know, and I can't even, like, we've sat and spoke about, like, how much we love Joanne and Paul and how much the form does into the people that we are, and then when they do their episode, they're just going to call us cunts for an hour. I'm just going to talk about how fucking shit we are. Uh, Joanne just getting at the whole, like, Mark, 
you're no fucking too big for your boots because you fucking run a coaching program and that like your mark no. your your mark when you live in this house you're, no. <laughs> you'll do what I say. <laughs> that's, that's I would say the number one biggest thing that they do for the two of us is keep us firmly in check. They keep oh. our feet firmly on the fucking ground. Hundred percent. <laughs> Even Joanne turned around for this event. For this event, she's like, "What kind of guy flies back to the UK for a work event the month after getting married?" <laughs> And I was like, I'm pretty yeah. sure, pretty sure plenty of people have probably done that. She's like, it's not what I expected for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop, well, stop. I know. But in this little bubble, just now, she just wants to keep us in that bubble. Um, plus, the day I leave to come back or to come meet you, actually, me and Jenna are doing a Barcelona retreat beforehand. Um, it's actually our one month anniversary. So, maybe delete a couple of days. I'm saying flowers. <laughs> No, you can always reinstate the bubble. We said that. So like the bubble is like when you get married and then like just after. But then for special occasions, we we make a conscious decision and say, right, we're reinstating the bubble. But there's conditions for the bubble, no phones, maybe totally present, you need to have fun. So you can't take the piss out the bubble, it will burst, but you can every now and again you can reinstate the bubble. Because we've got anniversaries coming up, we'll have a honeymoon coming up, we've got my thirtieth coming up. We're going to that was be, going to be huge. That was going to be massive. <laughs> um, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. It's good to be back. Remember, BFL podcast to get the tickets for the event on the 12th of August to the Grand Central Hotel for £30. If you do want to hand it on to a mate, like Jen said, that doesn't listen to the podcast, the only condition is they need to start listening to the two of us. Uh, you can do so if you think they're going to benefit from it. We're going to be putting this onto our socials. We're going to be talking about it across the course of the next few weeks. As Jane said, feel the fear and lean in anyway, because it's going to be one of the best things you can do. Any other wise words before we round off? See you in the 12th of August trips. See you in the fucking 12th of August. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right, over and out, guys. We will see you next week. Cheerio, bye.